Draft season's in the air. Let's talk about who to pick in the first round. If you're lucky enough to get that first pick, you really can't go wrong with Justin Jefferson. Jefferson's coming off a year where he led all wide receivers with 28 red zone targets. He's on a team that passes the ball 65% of the time. And as a quarterback that's in a contract year in Kirk Cousins, who's going to be chasing numbers all year round. Jefferson just won his first Offensive Player of the Year award. And I know he's chasing another one this year. He led all receivers in targets and receptions with 184 and 158 respectively. I also really like Jefferson because of his potential increase in workload. The Vikings don't have Adam Thielen anymore. They don't have Dalvin Cook anymore. And I think that's going to mean extra targets for Jefferson. TJ Hawkinson will definitely get some work. And Jordan Addison, the rookie who they drafted in the first round, will definitely have a role. He's already looked pretty good in preseason. But I think Jefferson's going to continue to build off of his great season that he had last year. In his first three years as a pro, he's averaged right around 158 targets. And I think this year he's going to end up closer to 175 just based on the way he's been trending. I think the only thing I'd like to see from Jefferson in terms of improvement would probably be touchdowns. I know he had eight last year, but I hope he can get closer to that double-digit mark. If you end up with the number two pick, you really can't go wrong with this guy, Austin Eckler. Eckler ended up averaging 21.9 points per game and finishing as the RB1 overall in PPR. What's most impressive about his campaign is the fact that he had 107 receptions, good for fifth best in the league. In addition to this, he had 13 touchdowns on the ground and five touchdowns through the air. And I think he has a great chance to repeat those numbers this year. He's still behind a top 10 offensive line. He has Justin Herbert throwing him the ball, who had the second most pass attempts in the league last year. And he probably would have been one. He was only behind Tom Brady, who was pretty much a dump-off king last year, just passing it to Leonard Fournette every chance he got. What also really excites me about Eckler is the fact that he was tied for fifth with 23 red zone targets. No other running back was even close. Herbert clearly looks for Eckler in the red zone, and that should continue this year. The only concerns I may have around Eckler is the fact that the Chargers receiving core both got better and healthier. They drafted Quentin Johnson in the first round. Keenan Allen is now healthy. Last year, he was battling a hamstring injury, which definitely boosted Eckler's receiving workload. And of course, they have Mike Williams. So I can see some of that eating into Eckler's receiving workload, but I still think he has a really good chance to end up with 100 receptions. I think he'll definitely get five receiving touchdowns. Picking at number three, Christian McCaffrey. From week six onward, McCaffrey was the RB1 overall in PPR, reminding all of us why he was drafted number one overall for all those years. He ended up finishing as the RB2 overall, and that's probably attributed to the fact that he was in Carolina for the first few weeks of the season. But I think this year in San Francisco, with a full offseason, I think they're definitely going to be able to utilize him even more than they did last year. McCaffrey ended up with 85 receptions, 22 fewer than Austin Eckler's 107. But what's impressive is the fact that he had more yards than Eckler. So I think it's clear he's going to have a heavy role in the passing game moving forward. I will say, however, his workload was probably propped up a little bit by the fact that Debo Samuel was nursing a high ankle sprain for much of the year. And the other thing I'd really monitor is the 49ers O-line. If Trent Williams misses any time, this O-line is in trouble. I mean, if you guys saw the first preseason game, it looked like the second and third stringers literally didn't know what they were doing out there. And that makes me a little bit worried. Hopefully McCaffrey can overcome some of this with his role in the passing game. But if they don't, that could spell some trouble for McCaffrey in between the tackles. The other thing, which is kind of a catch-22, is the fact that the 49ers have the fifth easiest schedule on paper. While that's probably great in terms of game script, that also means that McCaffrey might get phased out as the game goes on if the 49ers get a big lead. 
I know that Shanahan's going to try to protect his best asset and protect him for the postseason, especially given his health history. Hopefully that's not the case, but that's just something to be mindful of. Picking at number four, Tyreek Hill, fresh off of his second WR2 finish in the last three seasons. He also was second in the league with 119 receptions and averaged a healthy 14.4 yards per catch. Another year in the books for Mr. Hill. And I think he's going to pick up right where he left off. He showed that it's not all Patrick Mahomes. He's definitely a very talented wide receiver. And it's clear that he has a pretty strong connection with Tua. We all just have to hope that Tua stays healthy. But then again, it really didn't seem to matter for him. He seemed to produce no matter who was throwing him the ball. What's also nice about Hill is the fact that he's been pretty durable. He's also provided a pretty stable floor, averaging about 19.8 points per game over the last three seasons. So I think going into this year, if Jalen Waddle's midsection injury isn't too serious and he's able to take away some defensive attention like he did last year, I think Hill has a great chance to finish as a WR1 and even go over 2,000 yards, especially if Tua can remain upright. Pick number five, Cooper Cup. From weeks one through nine, Cup was the WR2. He also finished the year with the highest average on a points per game basis with 22.4. This is despite only playing nine games. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Cup because of his injury from last year and also how the Rams just fell off completely after their Super Bowl. But let's not forget, this man was the triple crown winner two years ago. And I don't think his skill set has diminished all that much. He's absolutely the best receiver on the Rams. He only has Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek behind him. And Matt Stafford has proven time and time again that he locks onto his best receiver. So I can totally see Cup averaging around 11 targets per game right away. I think if he can stay healthy and overcome this leg injury he suffered recently, he should remind everyone why he was the league's best receiver two years ago. Picking at number six, Saquon Barkley. Barkley finished as the RB5 overall last year. And what a great story for a guy that's been injury-ridden the past couple of years. I do feel kind of bad for him, given how the whole contract franchise tag situation went down. But I think that's going to be great in terms of fantasy. I think the Giants are not fully committed to him. They're going to really run him into the ground this year. So that just means more opportunity. And in fantasy, that's what we want, more opportunity. What's also really exciting about Barkley is the fact that the Giants utilize him so heavily inside the five. He had the fifth most rushing attempts inside the five-yard line. That tells me that when it gets down to business and time to hit pay dirt, the Giants know what to do. Give their playmaker the ball. I think Barkley's going to continue to be in that top five range, and he should probably improve in terms of receiving touchdowns. He didn't have one through the air last year, but I think that'll definitely change this year. With the Giants' offense seemingly built around him, I think there's no doubt that his volume will really give him a solid floor. And I think he'll have some great pop-off weeks, but he just may not be the most efficient. The two biggest concerns for me with Barkley are health. Last year, he was nursing a shoulder injury pretty early on, and that lingered throughout the season. And of course, the offensive line. The Giants are expected to have a bottom five unit, so that could spell some trouble for him. But like I mentioned, his volume should help him overcome that. Picking at number seven, Travis Kelsey. The man is like a fine wine. He just gets better with age. He's coming off of his seven straight thousand yard season and had 110 receptions last year. Good for third best in the league. He also led the league with 29 red zone targets, converting 10 of them for touchdowns. So it's clear that Mahomes is looking his way when it comes time to hit pay dirt. I think it should easily be another season in the books for Kelsey, especially with a suspect receiving core in Kansas City. I mean, they have Sky Moore, injury ridden Kadarius Tony and deep specialist Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I think are all good B receivers, but they're not going to eat into Kelsey's workload at all. 
he is very much the alpha and should have no problem going over 100 receptions and 1,000 yards for the eighth time. Another big plus for me is the fact that he's such an Iron Man, having never missed a game due to injury since his rookie season in 2014. Picking at number eight, Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson is walking into a perfect situation for him. You saw what he did at Texas. He's going to a team that loves to run the ball. They ran the ball more than anybody last year, and I think they're going to continue to do that this year. The Falcons managed to make Algier fantasy relevant, and I think there's no doubt Bijan Robinson is going to be the 1A right away. We probably will see Algier get some work, but it would not surprise me if Bijan Robinson ends up with 300-plus touches this year. He's going to be running behind one of the best run-blocking units in the league, behind Chris Lindstrom, and I think his dual-threat ability gives him some really good upside through the air. It would not surprise me if he gets close to five touchdowns through the air and close to seven or eight touchdowns on the ground. Ultimately, I don't think Arthur Smith would have drafted a guy like this if he didn't intend to use him right away. Desmond Ritter is still kind of raw and somewhat of unknown, and I would imagine Smith's going to want to take as much as he can off of his young quarterback's plate. Pick number nine, Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown suffered an ankle injury pretty early on last year, and it definitely hampered him. But once he got it together, he showed us why he's one of the most elite receivers in the league. From weeks 12 through 18, he was the WR6 overall, and I think that's right where he's going to end up this year. He's clearly the best receiver on the Lions. He's benefiting from the fact that their first pick from last year, Jamison Williams, is suspended for the first six games, and there's nobody else behind him that's really going to give him too much competition. Again, we're talking about a guy that has an NFL record 196 receptions through his first two seasons. This cannot be overstated. He's averaged a little bit more than eight targets per game up until now. And I think he could end up close to 10 targets per game by the time the season ends. With Ben Johnson still calling the plays and no more DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, or DJ Chark, I think that carves out a pathway for St. Brown to improve on his touchdown total. Picking at number 10, this may surprise some, but Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase led the league with a little bit more than 11 targets per game last year. This is a despite only playing 12 games and kind of having an injury-ridden season. He suffered a hairline fracture in his hip and had a torn labrum. Despite playing in such few games, he still finished as the WR11 and had more receptions than he did his rookie year. The reason why I'm not so high on Chase is that he was somewhat boom-bust last year when he did play. We saw a big drop-off in his yards per catch. He had 18 per catch his rookie season, then he had 12 last year. And so while it's nice to see the receptions go up, that didn't necessarily equate to a whole lot more production. I think Chase is also a victim to the fact that he may not be the number one guy on his team. Everyone kind of forgets about T. Higgins. They also have other mouths to feed. I mean, they still have Tyler Boyd. They signed Irv Smith. They still have Joe Mixon. So I think while Burrow did have the fifth most passing attempts last year, the fact that Burrow's injured right now leaves me a bit worried going into the season. I think the high volume is nice, but it's also kind of nerve-wracking knowing that he had 10 drops last year, which was the third most in the league, despite playing only 12 games. So at times, he leaves me scratching my head. I feel like he definitely has the ability to boom, but when he's quiet, he's quiet. Most of his points scored last year were over five games, having only cracked 20 points those five times. If Burrow does start the season and this calf injury isn't serious, then I do think Chase has a pretty solid chance to finish inside the top seven. But going into the season, as of right now, I think he's a good pick at this spot. And going for him earlier than this may be a reach. Picking at number 11, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is the model of consistency, having never finished lower than the RB13 in PPR over the last four seasons. You know what you're getting with him. He's not going to give you a bunch of receiving work, 
but he more than makes up for this on the ground. And last year, he had career highs across the board in terms of attempts, yards, and touchdowns. I think with Deshaun Watson having a full offseason underneath his belt, hopefully some of that rust won't be there this year, and that should only help Chubbs' case, especially if Watson can pose the same rushing threat he has in the past. I expect Cleveland to improve in general. They still have Elijah Moore, David Njoku, and Amari Cooper, who also had one of his best seasons last year. So all that's going to do is take attention away from Chubb. Coming to the end of the first round, picking at 12, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor also suffered from the injury bug last year, having the dreaded high ankle sprain to deal with. But from weeks 10 through 13, he showed us why he was the league's leading rusher two years ago, averaging 18.2 points per game, making him the RB3 during that stretch. In my running back rankings, I initially had Taylor one spot ahead of Chubb, but due to all this turmoil with the Colts and this back injury and this ankle treatment, it leaves me a little bit leery. So I think if you can, go with Chubb before Taylor, but Taylor also has more upside in the passing game. The Colts have the third easiest schedule, and they also have a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson. So I think they're going to do what they can to make Richardson's life as easy as possible. And that usually means leaning heavily on your star running back. I expect Taylor and the Colts to figure things out before the season starts. The last thing they want is a distraction going into their young quarterback's rookie season. A couple of other things that excite me are the fact that the O-line should be much improved. I know they look like a train wreck last year, but they still have Quentin Nelson, who in my opinion is the best at his position in the league, which should definitely help Taylor. And also having Shane Steichen as the head coach. We saw what Steichen was able to do with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders last year. And I think that spells a great recipe for success for Taylor this year, and even Richardson for that matter. Taylor's backup, Zach Moss, unfortunately broke his arm, which should prop up Taylor's value at least temporarily until they sign someone. But let's not forget, Taylor just led the league in rushing two years ago and had a total of 20 touchdowns. He's very capable, he's very young, and I think he's definitely due to finish as a strong RB1 again this year. That's my strategy for drafting in the first round. Please subscribe and leave your thoughts on who should or should not be on this list in the comments below. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy OT. 